Welcome to Co-op Mode, round 132. This is the official video game podcast of Secret Friends Unite. I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, from uh, Survived Vegas. Uh, my son has now been accepted to the University of Minnesota, and I got a promotion. So I'm on a high, gents. I am so excited Congrats. to be here. Oh, yeah. Wow. I don't even know what to say. It's been like, it's been the summer of Todd in winter. So uh, everybody else is having bad luck. But except for me, some, for some reason. So hopefully, there's no monkey paw involved in this. Um, <laughs> but I am joined with Mark, the Canadian Caravan, who is essentially the snow is taller than me where he lives. Yeah, yeah, we we have had the worst. Uh, I think they're saying like the, the we still don't have exact numbers of like full snowfall, but it seems like somewhere just a little or, around five feet of snow in some places. Um, there were certainly five foot drifts. By, by me, like my, my, my vehicle was buried. Like I drive a Ford escape. It's, you know, decently sized SUV and it was just pretty much up to the roof. Like insane. Um, I have been shoveling for three days and I'm still not quite out of my driveway. So, um, are you, so either living in a, in an ice world in a video game where Captain oh, yeah. Cold yeah, it's hot. has decided to taunt you, or the weather wizard. I'm not sure which one it is. So yeah, um, I've not seen this kind of snow ever in my life. Like it is, it is just crazy. Apparently, it's beaten a record from like 1917 or some craziness like that. Um, I, I usually like it where I live. The winters are usually fairly mild. We just got a full winter in a weekend, so um, not the best, but. Luckily, our power's held out. We have lots of food. We've been pretty comfy and playing a lot of uh, Super Mario Brothers. Fantastic. And I'll tell you, in Minnesota, we've had two inches of snow all winter long, and it was like 42 degrees a day. Don't know what's going on. The world is crazy, which is not good for other parts of the world because they're probably going to be like uh, in a crisp. But with that, we are joined by uh, someone who has not been on this podcast in over four years. That's Mr. Luke Lore, the insipid ghost from the XCP podcast and an interviewer that I think most people would say is probably one of the best independent interviewers in the video game industry. Mr. Luke Lore, how are you doing? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I'm honored to be here. Todd, it's one of those things like you said four years. I'm like, Really? That yeah. blows my mind because I, I feel like we interact often. And then even a month or so ago, I was like, why haven't I heard from Todd lately? And then it was like, oh, Discord wasn't connecting with us. And so uh, that's been really nice to kind of, I guess, re reconnect because Twitter's algorithm now is gone. So I don't see my friends on there. Like, I know I follow my friends. I just don't see them on my timelines. And so... Uh, sometimes these, these mix ups happen, but I'm honored to be here. I appreciate the kind words. Um, I really enjoy the craft of interviewing and sometimes I get it right. Sometimes not, but, um, I really enjoy it. So I appreciate when anybody listens, regardless of indie, triple A, whatever. Very, very cool. I could probably use some of your pointers because I'm looking to do some interviews very soon from all different types. And, um, I think Luke, I might be having you on a podcast very soon, hopefully, um, to talk about Babylon Five. Yes, I. Very soon. Well, yes, I love Babylon Five. Okay. I, I still, Todd. I told you a while back I was going to do a rewatch. I still mm -hmm. can't, like the last episode of B Five. It every time I I cry like a baby, and I don't cry often. I'm not a regular a motor 
in that sense. And I just can't do it. Sheridan's passing is just, it's, it gets me. So. Oh, spoilers. Oh, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's the very first thing they say when you meet Sheridan. It's like, well, he's going to go. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, and that, that's a good transition. So we're actually going to now talk about uh, the people that make our podcast uh, possible. Mark, who are those people? Well, those are people that have headed over to patreon.com slash secret friends unite, uh, where you can go for a free seven day trial and check out all the cool bonus stuff over there, as well as ad free versions of this and all of our other podcasts. And you can join people like John Sedorf, the Phoenix sisters cosplay, Brennan Myers, Matthew Keel, Corey and HD, and the, uh, the BFF tier, including Sean, Stella and Henry Nias and Missy Merchant. Yes. And one of the reasons I mentioned Luke Lore on doing Babylon 5, uh, I'm going to be transitioning our fansplaining uh, podcast, so I've done a couple of, into just a holistic interview special topic called the Spotlight. Secret Friends Unite Spotlight or Secret Friends Spotlight. Um, you know, I'm just waiting on the AI to give me a good uh, logo for that. <laughs> After failure many times, I'll work with Mark on that. But that's going to be the purpose and that's going to be a patreon exclusive and those will obviously come out later to everyone but that's going to be a lot of fun so uh more to come on spotlight and uh look for luke on that and especially for those folks like mark uh who probably don't know much about babylon 5 so i think it'll be a good learning opportunity and find out why people truly love that show uh Mm -hmm. so with that now it's something now i think we're all going to learn a little bit something about our buy rent return this month or this week, which is infamous handhelds. So we all know about the good handhelds. We don't talk about the bad ones very, uh, very often. And so that's what made me think about, cause our special topic, this will be, will be, you know, the future with handhelds because it's really changed. Handhelds were supposed to go away and it was supposed to be all phones and the world's a little bit different place now. But with that, I think we have to look at our past to figure out what's going to happen in the future. Maybe some of these devices I'm going to talk about will be used and innovate, for Nintendo or whoever else is going to make the next great handheld. And these devices are the TigerGame.com. So this is when early, we're talking early 90s, when the internet was just a twinkle in someone's eyes. So putting .com on anything seemed cool and and really, really um, uh, advanced. And the Game.com device by Tiger, which you know probably from those old little handhelds that had like three frames per second, Power Rangers, X-Men, everyone had one. They weren't very good. Um, but they made this device. It was still in black and white. A little bit more, I would say it's a little bit better than the Game Boy black and white color. Probably a little bit better quality in regards to like maybe like a little bit better than 8-bit. But it had a touch screen, apparently, that didn't work very well. It was connected <laughs> to the internet, and I don't know what you would do on it. Um, and it took cartridges. And I will, in the links, I'll put trailers to each one of these because the commercial is fantastic. It's highly offensive, especially making fun of little people. Very weird. Um, The Nokia N-Gage. This is uh, the famous device by Nokia, uh, famous for a uh, dedicated handheld phone, which took cartridges uh, to talk to people. You had to hold it on the side. So they used to call it the taco talking um, version and it requ- it made they made their own games for this. You know, you had publishers making unique games for this, so it was very unique. I would love to see what some of these games really looked like. But to put in the cartridges, you had to take out the phone battery. Great design concept, love it. Um, and they did recreate this device in another model, uh, but they made it so it talked like a regular phone. 
I think it was the Engage G. And then lastly, the Tiger R Zone Super Screen. This is also tied up with the Tiger R Zone. R Zone was like the Dragon Ball Z headset to a Tiger device where basically it showed uh, the screen on this little visor you put to your eye. Well, they said, well, that's not good enough. We need this super screen, which is essentially the same device, which you could use with the headset if you wanted to. But it was essentially a Game Boy uh, magnifier that made it a huge screen, but it was also a handheld. So this thing weighed probably like too much, probably highly uncomfortable, and the games were really bad. So with that, um, you've had my description. You've watched some of the videos. So Luke, since you're our guest... Which one would you buy? Which one you'd rent? And which one would you return? Oh, this this could not be easier. Uh, I'm absolutely buying the N-Gage. Absolutely buying the N-Gage. It had so many cool... Like, like, the games felt... Or looked and seemed very cool at the time, right? There was a color screen. I'm looking at uh, kind of like one of the top 35 best N-Gage uh, games right here. There's a lot of cool names that you know that are in there. Uh, I'm I'm in there for the end gauge. Plus, it's a phone. So, like at the time when you were playing Snake on a phone, that's really really uh, beyond a gimmick. Like it's just cool enough that a nerd like myself would be in there for it. Um, I think I'd have to rent the Tiger TigerGame.com. I'd rent that one. I'd check that one out. Uh, I like that special games would be designed for it. See some of the cool art that they do with those pixels. Um, and the Tiger R Zone, I would desperately want. Desperately want. And immediately think, oh, this needs to go back. So that's <laughs> the turn. Like, it looks so cool. Hook it up. Let's go. It's what I want VR to be, where it's a simple light go and then i'd be like yeah uh, no thank you yeah. so yeah buying the engage uh renting the tiger and then returning the tiger r zone and, and by the way to your point that screen for the r zone was like the uh virtual boy screen it was red and black for Ugh. some reason and they were showing like virtua cop like a shooter, like a light gun shooter. I'm like, how does that even work? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Mark, okay, you heard Luke's methodology in this. What are yours? Copy paste, 100%. Oh. Uh, buying the N gauge for the, the same kind of reasons. Like, I could get behind my, I, I remember like looking at this and, and being like, that's a cool kind of concept. And you're still seeing this kind of stuff because as much as they've, had just touch screens and games and bigger screens and all this kind of stuff, you still see a desire for physical buttons for a gaming device phone. And that's why backbone and all those other kind of things exist. So you're still seeing companies trying to perfect this design, maybe not with, you know, obviously you have to stumble a little bit to get there. So maybe not with removable batteries and cartridges and all that kind of other shenanigans that these guys got really wrong. But as a cool piece of like evolutionary tech, whereas like if you if you if you study like fossils and stuff like that, every once in a while you see a fossil that it's like it's a shark with like a loop de loop jaw, and it's like, what were you thinking, evolution? Why did you do that? Sharks are perfect. Why why this weird little misstep? And like this is this is that imperfect shark, you know, before before they kind of keep figuring things out. So I, I'm, I'm copying your your. Yeah, buy for that one. Um, 
the rent, same deal. Tigergame.com, specific games, Game Boy level kind of quality and that kind of stuff. It seems a little bit more interesting. To be completely fair, the N-Gage is the only one I've ever heard of. So I, I had to look up the other two. I don't know. The, like, There could be something about the R-Zone super screen that's like super engaging that I didn't get from like reading a Wikipedia and watching the trailers that you sent. I don't know. I really, I'm curious to see if anyone in our Discord group or anything like that has played these, has experienced it. Like they could change my mind very quickly, but the game.com on initial run, initial look spoke to me a little bit more. And the Tiger R Zone, I think, is hilarious because we're still working for that. You know, we see the the Apple Vision Pro released last week. That's still, you can't get that like, everyone wants that that like meta quest uh, Ray-Bans, like that size glasses, but with the Vision Pro capabilities. Like that's what we still want. We still want to have normal looking glasses that can just you know, superimpose things on their world or take us directly into VR when we want to. Um, we still don't have that. So like seeing that come back from the nineties and imagining how terrible that must've been instant return. But I, I love the attempt. It's so much fun. Um, so that, that the rent and return maybe could flip flop. I want to be convinced one way or the other, but for right now I'm copying Luke. What do you, how are you feeling Todd? You know, I I hate to be a copycat because you're absolutely (laughs) right. I mean, I don't know if there's I mean, I could come up with probably some goofy like justification like I usually do, Mark. But in this case, I don't think I can because, um, you know, I had to live through these horrible like devices that were kind of like, well, I got you this for your birthday. Isn't that a good son? I mean, I had a Pac-Man watch back in the day where you could play Pac-Man on it. And it was essentially the same tech as the Target R-Zone because I could wear it on my my, my wrist. And even the the, uh, the game, remember the Nintendo Game & Watch? That mm-hmm. technology looked a lot better when it was in the Tiger R-Zone, <laughs> which Mercy. this is like 10 years later than that. So it's just like, Oh God, you know, mm, $10 device. And actually, uh, if you're curious, I think target actually carries it and sorry, Mark, but they carry the original X-Men version. Like they brought it back in all of its crapulence, like in modern. And it's like 15 really? bucks. Interesting. Yes. I'll have to look it up, but it's, yeah, yeah it's back. You know, I think it's because that the X-Men 97 cartoon is going to be out. And then the X-Men nostalgia still having target. That's true. That's true, Mark. Um, so I'm going to go with Nokia Engage because th- at the time, mobile gaming sucked. I mean, your flip phone was horrible. I mean, I think I had a God of War game that I bought for some reason, and it wasn't very good. I thought it was pretty good for, you know, toilet Mobile time. gaming didn't suck. It, these mobile gaming sucked. Oh, true. true. <laughs> yes, true. Yes, yes. It was the, the devices were a big limit, limitation. Snake. Dance was the jam, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. Mobile, like, phone games were, yeah, you know. There was, I mean, I don't even know how we, like, bought games. I remember, like, uh, downloads, like, uh, ringtones. That was yeah. a sketchy market for, like, ringtones. <laughs> like, oh, here's, uh, what is it? Uh, the One Frog uh, song. There was commercials for it. You could oh, download the Crazy the Frog? 
Yes. It was like yeah. all these commercials for like ringtones back in the day, kids. The Axel, Watch Axel out. Foley theme song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. So, yeah. And yeah. Nokia and Gage, I think for what it was, they made some, the, the Gen 2 got it right, made it far easier. You had cartridges directly in there. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I think Nokia is kind of still alive, but, you know, being a pioneer in that space, I give them kudos and it was a phone. So, you know, it's what we wanted in the future. Uh, TigerGame.com. It is interesting that, th- that they went with, you know, the black and white screen, but it could connect to the Internet, had a touch screen. Um, and considering what they went with the R zone, I mean, that was that was only a couple of years prior. That's a huge jump forward. So I'll give them credits for that, too. Like, you know, hey, we're trying. But this would be like the device. Like, oh, you wanted a Game Boy? You got this. Uh, and then it was like, oh, you know, it's like me getting the Atari 5200. And, and then I had to wait to get the NES. But like all failed technologies, you see the DNA of what we now have. Like the yes. easy example to point to in this era is the Xbox One. Everything that they got crucified for is yep. standard across the board. Deservedly yep. crucified. Messaging is everything. But standard. You look at these connecting to the internet, color back mm-hmm. screens, phone integration. All of this there uh, is, is something we have. The R-Zone. Dreamcast, yes, having the modem in there. Oh, God, I love the Dreamcast. I miss that era most. I'm just derailing. I'm so sorry. But I miss that era because there were just so many games across so many genres, and you could just discover gems. We no longer have that luxury mm-hmm. by way of coverage and just the way we distribute, but gems. Just to see a cover in a store and be like, I don't know what that is. Take it home, try it out. Suddenly you're playing Red Dog, and it's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even the VMU for the Dreamcast, which is this, that probably had better graphics than the Tiger R Zone as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then the Tiger R Zone, I think that's going to give you like seizures or something. It's not good. The red screen, it's way too heavy. So, carpal tunnel syndrome, and it takes 4D batteries. 4D batteries! <laughs> oh, so you can use that Ooh. as a weapon. See, I thought Nokia oh, yeah. Engage would be the weapon of the cho- of choice no. here. Because, uh, you know, Nokia. But, uh, ooh, mm. yeah, okay. So the super screen's got zombie apocalypse uh, dual action. Yeah, you uh, throw that somebody, they're dead. Yeah. yeah. The batteries, I mean, you lick them, you know, if you need a high or something like that when they're done. Uh, that'll only cost you a small fortune. And, you know, whoever has D batteries in their house, I bet I could ask all of you, do you have D batteries in your house right now? Yes. No. I don't <laughs> even remember which one D batteries are. It's the biggest of the portable battery. Gotcha. <laughs> the big, the round, long, big weighs probably thing. like half a pound. Fun times. Uh, but we had some uh, members of the community who gave us their choices. So I'll start with Edward Varnell. He says, <laughs> he, Edward yep. Varnell is the bizarro of the, 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 the video game world. He says, buy TigerGame.com, rent Tiger Arzone, and return the Nokia. <laughs> Edward, yes, we need to talk. Edward. I need to know why. There's no reasoning. He just gave that list. Oh. So Edward, mm-hmm. like... DM me, but I want to, I need reasonings here. 
Good luck with that, Mark. That'll go well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a Silent Hill uh, plot is based on the conversation you're about to have uh, with Edward. Uh, Mark, do you want to give what uh, uh, Brendan Myers, the Winter Gamer, said? Yes. Uh, he said, interesting. Buy Nokia even because uh, even if it's not great, if it's not great games, I know I would use it as an indestructible weapon if needed. See, I, I was thinking the same kind of like weapon. You get the Nokia. Um, but uh yeah, I'm wondering about that super screen now. Uh, rent Tiger Arizona because I've never played it. And return the tigergame.com. Uh, presuming that means that he has played it and it sucked. Brennan Myers, same kind of deal. You have not played the Tiger Arizona. Have you played the game, the, the Tiger game? Sounds Gonna like he did on this one. Sounds like he did. So I'm, I'm very curious. Maybe, maybe Brennan or Edward are going to be the two that convince me one way or the other if my listing was correct. So both, feel free. DM, drop some conversation stuff in in Discord. I want to know. I want to dig deeper into this. Maybe there are only two people that ever had these things. So please, if you have we them, found show us. Diamonds yeah. in the rough. I want to see a collection. Right That'd be fantastic. And then if there's bodies in your closet <laughs> oh well let's get into what we've been gaming so luke uh this has been you've been in like in a glass case of emotion last week um you're not a happy guy we haven't talked in a while because you were our go-to dc guy and you've kind of like decided to just abandon me on <laughs> on my ledge where i'm at so um ah, we're here for you man so Thanks. you want to i mean I, I i mean there's a couch over there have yeah. a seat. We'll take notes, and then we'll prescribe something for you. <laughs> well, I think there's it's it, no secret to anyone anywhere that uh, being a DC fan has been a tumultuous ride. W- whether you are in the the TV space, whether you're in the movie space, the gaming space, you're never quite sure what you're gonna get. You know, forever for every uh, Wonder Woman 1984, you might get the Batman, right? Uh, for every fan like myself who really enjoys Zack Snyder's Justice League, there are those who are just ready for that hopeful optimism. Sometimes that optimism looks like Superman and Lois, which is a great show. Sometimes it goes on too long, like the CW Arrowverse, you know, and, and it's just really hard to be a DC fan. And DC was the standard for so long. My favorite, and this is for anyone that's unfamiliar with me, um, my favorite franchise of all time is the Arkham franchise. My favorite game of all time is Arkham Knight. I yeah. love the Arkham games. I uh, I have all the statues except for Arkham Origins, which I would like to one day get. Um, you can kind of see the battering there. There's Arkham Knight. That somewhere in there is the Arkham City. It's it's all dark. Um, I even brought over my Gotham Knight statue because uh, I think I'm one of the certainly fewer than than they were hoping uh, fans of Gotham Knights I actually really enjoyed Gotham Knights. Um, I wrote a review on it for season gaming and referenced it in my suicide squad review. So I say all that so that uh, any listener knows that I come to suicide squad with context and with baggage. And that is an important thing to note for anyone that's interested in Suicide Squad, if you're arriving with Arkhamverse baggage, then you're going to have a very different experience than someone who just wants an action shooter, who is just interested in seeing the Suicide Squad in play, maybe you like James Gunn version or what was kind of David Ayer's version. Um, 
whatever it is, or, or the great animated versions, Suicide Squad brings a dichotomy that clashes against itself. And I am very torn. It has been an emotional roller coaster. I have put 30 plus hours in at this point, which is extremely high for someone who has been so beaten by it. Um, and I'm aware of that, but as a diehard DC fan, it's very, it's very odd. So uh, I'll say, I'll make one or two more points and then feel free to ask me questions about it uh, as needed. I will say that I, I find the campaign and the story uh, abhorrent and I really hated it. Really hated it. Um, with the baggage of being an Arkham diehard, I feel that the writing here is extremely inconsistent and that inconsistency does great disrespect to the Arkhamverse characters. It's immaculately acted. The voice acting is incredible. The animations are stellar. Uh, it looks beautiful start to finish. Uh, there's so much to enjoy in that, but the writing is confusing at times. And I will tell you, once I was done with the campaign, once I was done killing the Justice League, as the title states, and I got to just play the characters in loop fighting Brainiac's monsters, I really enjoyed it. But then you have an Avengers problem where you just mm. fight robots. Yeah. But that you're, you know, so ask me whatever you like, um, and I'll be glad to elaborate as needed. And no questions. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> I Mark, you go ahead, Mark. If, if, yeah, for, you know, for me, I, uh, I, I played the beta, so you have not. So Yeah, I haven't, I haven't touched this game, um, but I'm, I'm, I've been hesitant on it since the first time I saw it because of, because of two things that you kind of brought up. The, the Arkham games are some of my absolute favorite games um, ever. And they like, and Batman's one of my favorite characters ever. Uh, so seeing this and then also having the baggage from Avengers, I love the Avengers. I even have like the captain America Avengers statue is still behind me, even though that game wasn't great, but, um, having those two experiences and, and Arkham, the Arkham series being so high and then Avengers being so mid to, to low. Um, I looked at this game and I thought I've been hurt before. And I hold Arkham in such high regard that I don't know if I want to be hurt again uh, because it gave off those exact kind of vibes that you're saying. Um, do you think this could have been better if they didn't tie it to the Arkham series? Like if they had just said like, this is an Elseworlds, this is whatever, this is, um, you know, completely separate uh, from from anything because they, they did tie it to those games. So you have that expectation going in. Is there a version of this, whether it's the story tying in or the studio that made the game and the people behind it, is there a version of this at all that you can detach yourself from all of that lineage? Or would it have had to have been, this is an Elseworlds story and it's not developed by the same people who made those amazing, immaculate, perfect games? It's it's funny you even ask that because this at one point was WB Montreal's project and mm. Gotham Knights was Rocksteady's project. Wow. Uh, and, and this was years ago, right? I don't know how much carried over back and forth, but Gotham right. Knights is a better successor in terms of gameplay and story, I yeah. feel, even though they're not connected to the Arkhamverse because in the sense that like Batman is dead 
in Gotham Knights, yeah. killed in the very first opening, and then the team is left to figure it out. And the wonderful ending of Arkham Knight, which I I really urge any DC fan to go play, uh, really has a wonderful nebulous experience, but it puts puts Bruce Wayne and Batman to rest. In whatever way you interpret the ending, that that is an ending definitively. Mm-hmm. And the opening moments of Suicide Squad's campaign brilliantly recap the Arkham trilogy in the best way. Like it's just the coolest. I'm telling you, it's amazing. It is rock steady at the That's peak. a cool moment. And it's in the it was in the alpha. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is really cool. So it gave me a lot of false hope, mm-hmm. apparently. It, that's exactly what it does to you. Uh, it, it's just this, it's the peak of Rocksteady, and you can see where the game was going. And then the very end of that experience, they explain what happened with Arkham Knight and completely undoes this quadrilogy of games you've gone on. That may offend you, may not. It'll depend on how invested you were into uh, your version of that ending. Like in Dark Knight Rises, did Bruce die? Did he not? You know what I mean? Like, right. It, that's yeah. really, you know, there's kind of that element. Um, so after after that moment, that detachment, you're not sure what to expect in writing. And it does give you a false sense because you get that trademark rock steady writing for a bit, and then it gradually rolls off. And you feel like there's two writing teams at two different stages of development butting into one another. Um, there is a descript- a story moment that... I, I'd like to share, it is a minor spoiler, but it's in everything that I've seen. It has to do with the passing of the Flash. It's in the title, Killer Justice. Can I share that that moment? Sure. Uh, how long do you think you need, Luke? Because we can tell people to like, is it a minute enough? 30 seconds. A minute. Let's do a minute to be safe, just okay. in case. Okay. So yeah. folks, starting now, come back in a minute. So the Flash is killed by the Suicide Squad. Um, and the problem with killing any of the heroes is that they're corrupted by Brainiac, but they get no moments of redemption, no battle through the evil type moment where you get to see them and they're like, do this, get rid of me. Flash is the closest that comes when Diana's lasso is on him. But you kill the Flash uh, in, in an abhorrently boring boss fight, and then Boomerang goes over and pisses on him. Uh, and like, he used, that's his terminology and everything else. And Deadshot's like show some respect and then everybody looks down at his equipment and says well congratulations it's big and it's just like oh, wait Jesus. what <laughs> that's in such but it's in such defiance of the tone <laughs> that they set five yeah. ten seconds earlier if the tone yeah. has but had been that the whole game or yeah. even that whole fight cool but it mm. it juxtaposed something that was very serious and it's just like, what? And then the dispatching of another hero by Harley Quinn is equally egregious. And it's just... Is there a fart confusing. joke or a fart involved in a lot of this or no? Um, I don't think so. Darn. I don't think so. But but the, the problem is it can't figure out whether it wants to be funny and offensive or mm. serious. And these heroes who are gods in the DC universe, they are special. They are unique and they they matter to even the villains because boomerang's entire thing is how much he hates the flash as much as it matters to the i'm no longer spoiling by the way um as much as he cares about and hates the flash it's almost like all right next mm-hmm. and these heroes that don't get their moments to 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 shine through and and demonstrate a character struggle 
and put these anti-heroes in anti-hero positions, very frustrating. And I think disrespectful to the legacy built by Rocksteady's own writing. And and we know it's not the same team. Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker left. Yep. But it's just like, man. Do you think this would have been better with a Justice League game in the Arkham series first, where it establishes those heroes and you get to see them at the prime rather than just here's the Suicide Squad and they're going to kill this Justice League that we've How spent zero injustice? time with. Could this have been injustice? This could have been a fantastic game if the Justice League weren't the villains. Yeah. Okay. If that, wow. if the weight of having a Green Lantern or a Batman was instead, all right, you're the Suicide Squad. You got to take down this extra galactic threat. The Justice League has been captured or whatnot. The Injustice Society, which is essentially the equivalent of the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100% would have been better because then you get the great traversal, you get the jokes, you get the violence. Because uh, this is a very R-rated take uh, in a lot of ways. But you don't have the weight looming over you of what that Superman S means or what it means to battle Batman. Which is, by the way, just like all of the boss battles, lame. And that stinks. Like these are the yeah. gods of the DC universe and they're just boring boss fights. And so it, that's the problem. Now, after 10 hours of a campaign, you exit that campaign and then you play a live service loop just like you would in Avengers or destiny or, or anything else. If you like it, you're, you're going to have a blast. That's where I'm enjoying doing the Riddler challenges and whatnot. Fine. It's every time it tries to be a story and it clashes with the looter shooter live service. Breaking mm. those, breaking those is is the problem. It took them nine years to do this. Essentially, mm-hmm. call it nine, eight, whatever. And to think it's and someone called this out. They thought like you know, uh, wasted opportunity because you know, depending on the impact to the Rocksteady team because of this. If apparently it's doing worse than Guardians of the Galaxy game which is not great because that yeah. game was wonderful, but underperformed. Um, and then you think, well, are there going to be mass layoffs? And then how long will it take them to do something that maybe resonates with fans? And it's like, wow, that, that could be another six, seven years where people are going to be wary of rock city. So they lost a lot of goodwill with this, which is a shame. And WB is not a great company right now. I mean, Warner brother discovery, they may be sold off and they have, mm. they're, I mean, that's a, a bad situation. So I would love to see someone hopefully that loves games or do something in a positive manner. I don't know. Is Apple looking to buy somebody? I will tell you this (laughs) such an easy fix and easy is with quotation marks because obviously game development is effort, but easy in terms of scope development would be to take this open world metropolis that is beautifully crafted, but the traversal type means you skip over any personality. You just jump past it, which stinks. You you use this open world metropolis. You examine the flight mechanics that you gave Deadshot, and you do what you can to apply this to a Superman game. Um, Mm -hmm. Limit the scope, 10-hour campaign. Then if you want to have replayability or whatnot sure but you could be superman battling brainiac or have a superman prequel in this universe give us a reason to care that way your metropolis isn't wasted um you can kind of bring people to suicide squad because suicide squad has four seasons of content on the way we know about the joker we uh it's very it's very mr freeze is coming but it's an it's all elseworlds everything's elseworlds 
Um, it's all shared and leaked by them, which is very strange. Yeah. That is a, one more comment. The Elseworlds approach is, I think, at this point, lazy across all of comic books. Um, we're seeing it too often, too many places. Yes, it's dope when I get to have Peter Parker, Peter Parker, and Peter Parker. I, that was amazing to me. Yes, it's amazing that we could see the Flash do something, but then it's ruined and when it was, a, I think, an egregious Flash movie and, it, again, disrespected the legacy of characters. Um, and then to see it happen in the Arkhamverse where I don't know that Arkham was ever grounded given all of the the fantastical elements, but it was hard to imagine portals opening to new dimensions, yeah, right? That grittier, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, you know, you were closer to Nolan than you were Zach Joss Whedon, right? Yeah. So it, it feels a little out of place. But So a Superman game or using that Metropolis in some single-player endeavor might recoup resources on some level and keep them in a four-year, three-year timeline. But I don't know anything. I just hope for it. Do you think... That's all you can do. Do you think this and Avengers is finally going to be the nail in the coffin for like games as service, looter, shooter, superhero games. Like, are we finally like, do you think this will make them give up? Because that like, we've just talked about a couple of different franchises, like Avengers tanked, uh, you know, it got eventually shut down. Um, you mentioned guardians of the galaxy, which I think tanked because largely because of Avengers, Mm-hmm. And now we have this being absolutely panned, ripped apart. Um, like, do, do you think this is finally the end? Like, it sucks that it had to be this way, but like, do you think this is the the wake up call that those execs that are like, yeah, we need this looter shooter, continuous loop play, you know, constant live service? Like, is that are we done being forced? Because it sounds like, despite some. Uh, uh, weird choices in a story like they're they're maybe there could have been something here it, i don't know like so- i hope after hogwarts legacy they realize the potential of a solid single player or even if it's just a co-op where you could partner with your friend do fun things and in, in, in an ip that people love i hope that was the shining light to say and look that was the yeah. number one game of last year on a mm-hmm. franchise that was a little bit tarnished because of you know, a little bit Jeez, crater yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And the past movies. So I'm hoping that's the, that's the, I've heard the only positive thing I've heard right now from WB is they are not going to make the wonder woman game a live service game. Mm-hmm. So and monolith, I, or is it monolith games? I know it's not yep. monolith soft. I love the arc uh, the, the mortar games. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping they've yeah. learned and just take that feedback and give us an awesome wonder woman game. And maybe we get some cameos that redeem some characters. It it needs to be the nail in the coffin because yeah. Avengers made a lot of mistakes and was stuck in a generational transition. The hardware, the, the game ran fantastic on Series X and S yeah. um, and PS5. But, and then the big but here is that Rocksteady created an almost bug-free experience of extreme quality. Like there is polish galore mm. and it still doesn't work. But it doesn't work because of bad writing. And do people want to do this? And clearly based on on the numbers on Steam are not a fair metric, but they are a metric and they are one to go by next to box sales. Um, And box sales are 
diminishing also like i wouldn't buy a box version of suicide squad it's a live service game um but it has like next to todd's point about hogwarts legacy i don't know how you pitch a live service superhero game in 2024 2025 like what brand could do it the avengers couldn't do it yeah yeah dc couldn't do it with suicide squad the justice league who are they gonna fight brainiacs taken like I don't know what the the deal is, and it doesn't need to be like yeah. Spider Man is selling how much, right? Like, we, if I could preach to any executive anywhere, it'd be like you listen to your fans and make quality single experiences. People will play them. So yeah, leave my X Men alone. We've got Wolverine coming, unless it's Legends. Legends is coming. Well, ex- <laughs> please, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three only on Switch. So silly, such so an odd silly. decision to make. Uh, Nintendo paid for that. That's why. Well, I, 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 real, I mean, yeah. who, why didn't Xbox pay for that? I mean, come on. Easy money. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> it hurts. Well, Luke, it all hurts. <laughs> we, we are here for you in your time of uh, morning. I was going to put on, it's on my Gamefly queue. Once again, I'm just probably going to wait because I'm not. It, with so many great games coming right now, I think this game is going to be quickly forgotten, which is just, you know, going to add to the the, the pain. If you see it for forty bucks or less in this in this economy, this market, you're okay to get it. I think you'll get your money's worth. I wouldn't go above that, and I do like their roadmap. Who knows? Maybe their Joker plays fun, but I I can't see playing. Like if you pay, I paid a hundred bucks. DC super fan. I wanted to play in the justice league skins. I wanted to have content and I'm st- if you're not a super fan, you're not happy. Give it Got six it. months. It'll be on some gaming service. I bet. I was just going to say like, do you, do you see a resurgence maybe with, with like a game pass edition in, in six months or something? Or is that like just no, no, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Got we'll, it. We'll see how that works out. Okay, let's go on to something hopefully more positive, and that would be Mark. Yeah, uh, the you know I, I talked about it in my last the, the last episode. My son is still absolutely obsessed with Mario games. We've been going through everything on Switch from Mario Kart. Odyssey is his newest addiction. He calls it uh, Super Mario Hats. I think that's adorable. So I've been kind of walking him through and putting it on guided assist mode. And he's following the arrows all around the place. And it's great to watch him. And he, you know, throws me the controller when he gets stuck at something that, uh, that, you know, I have to do. So it's, it's great. Um, we played super Mario brothers. U we deluxe or whatever the hell that one stupid mm. name is. Uh, that one's not as, uh, as fun with a three-year-old, uh, after, especially after playing, um, wonder, because wonder oh, no. you can do, there's a bunch of assist things. And in this one, you jump on each other's heads or constantly throw each other into things. And it's just, um, it's, that's, it's that's not, the game fun. that will want you to kill your children. Really? Yeah. I remember yeah, doing so that with Logan back in the day. And we, is, um, yeah, they yeah, added resentment. Something. Yeah, for sure. So, but it's, it's been great. The whole thing, everything's been great. We even played some super Mario world, my favorite in the franchise, uh, especially as far as like 2d is concerned. So like, it's it's been a great little bit and and really helped being stuck in the house for the last few days being able to play those games and and jump in for an hour or two or whatever um you know I, I try to kind of still limit the screen time and everything but um but it's it's really fun and it's been helping because 
Yes. It would go outside, but it's it's storming and gross. So uh you would lose you would lose Finn, you'd never see him again. Basically, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's uh yeah, it's it's been dangerous. So there we go. So that's that's been fun. Um but aside from that, the only other real new gaming experience I've had is uh Game Pass Cloud Gaming in VR. Finally, I, uh, I I hadn't powered up my my Quest Two for that purpose. I kind of forgot that it existed on there, and um, and I finally jumped in. The only game I got to play was Fortnite, and I just I jumped into that one because I knew the experience so well, mm-hmm. and I wanted to kind of test it because cloud gaming a lot of times it's it's great for like a single player game or something a little slower. I wanted to see how it held up in Fortnite. And what a Quest 2 could do. Um, very, very interesting on the Quest 2. You can put it in pass-through mode, which is black and white on the Quest 2. But I could see my wife next to me on the couch playing Hogwarts Legacy on the Xbox. So it works if someone's playing your Xbox. It's not remote play. This is this is Game Pass uh, streaming. Um, hmm. but basically, what it does is just parks a massive, massive screen. Kind of too big. I, I need to learn how to readjust because I think you can adjust the screen. But when I had to like, like look behind your shoulder, head, yeah, it was like physically turning my head and kind of like crazy immersion, but like not what you yeah. want for like something twitchy, like too Fortnite. much. Feel you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but such a cool experience. Um, and then when you go back and, and tap out of pass through mode, you're in this very cool, like, uh, almost like space needle, like 360 degree Xbox room kind of thing, which is very simple aesthetically, Mm -hmm. but like very Xbox at the same time Uh, you're sitting or standing on a giant Xbox logo and there's space out all of the 360 degree windows. It's very cool. And uh, you might've played the future of Xbox. (laughs) Yeah, really? Um, And I think that does it just, just, and it just, uh, the quest pairs pretty easily with the Xbox controller. Instant pairing. Yeah. It's super simple to just, I, I grabbed one of my series X controllers. I double tap the top or whatever to, to switch back and forth between Bluetooth and Xbox. And, uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it's seamless, super, super easy to set up. Um, really, really quick and snappy. Everything was, yeah, no complaints. It took me a second to get into the game. It took like, I think it was like an eight minute countdown. And I just kind of like sat there like, that and that's how I figured out the pass through mode yeah. thing because I like tapped in like you know double tap the side of quest two to uh, you know to, to talk with my wife I was like yeah it's gonna be eight minutes holy shit the screen's still there because I I didn't expect that to remain in my it, living room it was kind of mac crazy. and cheese while you're waiting I mean really yeah. the, I'd love to see this with the quest three um, with full color pass through and actually yeah. being like floating in a living room and kind of have it properly set up grainy black and white not the best experience I ended up you know, going back in for the full immersion when I was actually mm-hmm. playing Fortnite, but it was cool to be able to like tap out, still see the screen, still see the countdown, but also be able to look at my wife and just be like, you know, like how's, how's Hogwarts going? Like your TV is now behind my massive screen. It's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so great experience. I was very impressed. I was, I was, I was really happy. Like it's a, it's a valid alternative for like someone I could picture if you're again, like me, like someone has the TV or you're in a dorm room or somewhere where like you want a massive, like hundred inch screen in front of you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it looked good, right? Like it's, it, and again, 
this is on a quest two quest three is going to look better uh and it's just going to keep improving as the the tech improves so um really really cool experience yeah i i still have this weird thought that xbox will further partner with meta and do what they did with uh pc and steam where essentially it just streams from your hardcore device xbox has really good wireless could do that and just imagine they could do and there's some tweaks i've heard about automatically making games that are not meant to be vr vr and i've Mm -hmm. i I think there is a win-win there with that partnership which would differentiate it at it cheap and easy with the wireless headset with i i don't know i'm just still probably foolish but i still think there's something there with facebook and or meta and because they have a relationship they have yeah. game i just think there's something more that go a step further and be like yeah you can have your psvr too it's really expensive but why not get the device you already use play it there great experiences well, it's I cheap mean, yeah really all they need to do to add to this in my opinion right now is uh remote play you know, so it's not just your Game Pass games. Uh, yeah. If I could play anything remote streaming, and then yeah. that eliminates what happened yesterday. My wife's playing something on the Xbox, and I'm playing something in VR. But because it was Game Pass streaming, it didn't affect her. But I think, sure. I think um, remote play would. So um, aside from that, like that would be the only thing I'd add immediately to this. But super cool tech demo, and it is still in beta. So I was impressed. It'd be neat if they took advantage of like Fireteam Raven, the arcade game, as mm-hmm. like a, a yeah. Perhaps the phrase is console that. exclusive, but like yeah. that would fit wonderfully into yes. that ecosystem, giving people an incentive to examine that partnership and thus Game Pass. Like there are opportunities there. They also have the old. Uh, they did this with Halo Five, but it was this Pelican demo. Uh, where it was a oh, full yeah. VR experience, but a modified variant of that might be something interesting to explore. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's just ways they could incentivize people that are in their fandom. Now the question becomes, is Xbox the brand to get people interested? Because PSVR hasn't gotten a ton of support. Uh, to Todd's point, if somebody else is doing the hardware, would they bother investing? Should they bother investing? And I mean, even with the, the rumors now that, that are in many ways... we we know that some of their their properties are going to go into other places. Um, is this a place that you would want them to be based on your experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just as, and again, th- they don't necessarily with this option have to do VR specific stuff. This is just another screen for game pass, another screen for Xbox games. Mm-hmm. No, extra effort needed. It would be cool. I'd love to see Mm -hmm. some Xbox, uh, you know, some VR titles, or if you hook it up to VR, if you're streaming on VR, whatever, there's Mm -hmm. something extra in there. Great. That would be amazing. But as it stands, I think they should keep pushing it because it's just, again, it's just another screen, whether you're on your phone, your tablet, your computer, your whatever, if it can stream, Game Pass games, Xbox games, I think that's a win. And I this was a win for me. I didn't need any more immersion than a massive curved 100-inch screen floating in front of me and seamless hookup to my game my my uh, Xbox controller. That was enough to for me to be like this is flipping cool. I'm going to travel with this. Like that is 
you know, like that, it, it is a great experience. If I was still doing university recruitment, going from hotel to hotel, this would be coming with me as both a VR platform and as my Xbox game streaming service of choice. I'd take the Quest, I'd take a controller, and as long as I have hotel Wi-Fi, I'd be happy. Like anything extra is just cherries on top. But like Game Pass is great. The cloud streaming was flawless. I competed in Fortnite. I didn't come first, but like I was top 10 and mm. it was a good experience. And Shout uh, out to, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh go ahead. This is so not a point, but it's a point that I appreciate. Like, shout out to Fortnite, by the way, doing something that I wish all shooters would do, which is have more bot matches. I don't care. (laughs) I'm not offended. I love when I jump in and I'm beating teams, and I'm well aware that some of them are bots, and I'm like, it's okay. I'm having fun. Like, if Halo would do that, if we could get COD to do that, if any of my experiences that my 38-year-old self could just – beat up on some bots. I'm fine with it. I just want to play the game and not get wrecked. Yeah. And I, and it was, it was my, it was my Fortnite experience. I was playing as my Leonardo skin. I had all my stuff in there. It was great. Like it was, it was perfect. Right. I, I, you know, it was, it was a, it was just a great experience. Yeah. Honestly, like it was, it was really cool. Yeah. And I would say even, uh, Hellblade, the first Hellblade, is they they have a VR version that is in my Steam account right now. And so it's like, oh, put on Xbox and stream it, Man. and then you're good to go. So I think there's, there's going to be some marker things. in there that, like, just yes. upload that to Game Pass. If you're playing on Quest, this is the version that you can pick. Like, exactly. That can't be. You know who knows? I mean, I know, like Luke said before, like game development and all this kind no. of stuff that we say, like, hey, that's easy. Just upload the Hellblade VR version to Game Pass on Quest. That's not difficult. Like, there, I'm sure there's some extra shit that has to go into it, but like, seems worth the investment for me. Somebody has already done a patch. I, I was listening to DLC where they talked about Jeff Kanata is a huge VR fan. They have made a very simplified program. Somebody just did it on the fly that converts regular games to VR mode. Even if it's not like VR like that, but you're playing like you're in VR with like the original Astrobot. I think that's enough for a lot of people. It feels like that's really damn cool. And mm-hmm. I already own a Quest 2 that's 250 bucks. Give me something else to play it on. And I think that's a, a huge win versus 550 bucks right now on, on PlayStation VR. And you can't use it anywhere else. So yeah. uh, enough VR talk because... Um, yeah, sorry, that, that went way longer than I anticipated. No, no, I, I love it. I just, I, I unfortunately, I'm still pissed off my Quest 1. Let's get back to dead. Suicide Squad. Can you guys <laughs> yes, believe it? That. Yes, yes. Pissing <laughs> on things and fart jokes. Who uh, knew that was a recipe for success? Uh, but very quickly, uh, I was traveling, so I got to do some gaming traveling. Um, and I, and, and, and Luke, I'm not familiar with this device, the Game Sir G8. Mm-mm. It's really damn cool. This is essentially the backbone. But, oh, yeah, so I have um, a backbone that I enjoy. Yeah. And this one's very ergonomic. This is more like using your Xbox or your Pro Controller. Because that it's is appealing. Flared out. It's wonderful. It's USB-C, so it'll work with Apple, any Android device. It's amazing. It supports PS Remote Play Direct. It reports, uh, uh, supports any mobile game you have. And it also support, directly supports Game Pass, Xbox, Remote Play. It's wonderful. 80 bucks. What's it called? 80 bucks. GameSir G8. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. It's it's really fantastic. Uh, it's got a headphone port at the bottom and a USB-C pass-through for charging or whatever. It's wonderful. Highly recommend it. It's ergonomic, really comfortable. Um, 
find out on a plane, most mobile games don't work because even though you think you've downloaded them, they still require a connection to get you like buy more energy pills. But Netflix, because if you have a Netflix subscription, you get Netflix games that are through the app store once you get it. So I was playing Shredder's Revenge because you get that with your Netflix subscription. And it was completely like I was playing the console version for free. And it was amazing with this device. I loved it because it was a native version playing on an airplane. It was amazing. Wonderful. They have several others like Slay the Spire. They have um, Death's Door just came to get Netflix gaming. And if you have a subscription, do it. It's right there. You go to Netflix, you go to the app, you like go to there, click there. It downloads it because it, it basically says, oh, you can now download this from the uh, the, the, the app store, uh, which is fantastic. It's a great option compared to like, since I have a, an Android device versus like the app store game, the game arcade, which is awesome too, but this is free with my subscription. Highly recommend it with any device backbone, whatever I had. I loved it. It was great. Wonderful time. So uh, shredders revenge, still an awesome game. And by the way, it's not just the base game. It's the game with Yosha. It's the game with the DLC for free. Oh, nice. So oh. I was playing Yosha. Uh, oh, I've got it. The, the, the bunny ninja, the bunny samurai, Usagi Yojimbo, I think. Mm-hmm. And then yep. the uh, Kai or the girl. Karai. Yes. So it's free. So I've got, I, I didn't even own that version on console. So I'm like, that's, that's an extra 10 bucks for free. So check out uh, Netflix. They put a lot in their gaming and I think it's great. They're doing it. So highly recommend it. It's a lot like Apple Arcade. There's no like extra things you have to pay for either. Like in mm-hmm. Arcade. So I highly recommend it. Check it out if you're on Android devices and you have Netflix subscription free to play. Um, so I did that. Um, let's see. What else did I do? I'll just get to the meat of the discussion. Um, I, cause I've been playing more Prince of Persia, but that game is awesome. Oh, so good. It. So good. So good. I'm loving it. It's great. Um, one of the best things in gaming that it really, I think other games, especially in Metroidvania need mm-hmm. to incorporate is the screenshot essentially where it shows on the map exactly what the damn thing you can't do yet is. Mm-hmm. I love it, Mark. It's, it's amazing. Like, so if you can't, it's a locked door, there's something you mm-hmm. need to power up for. It just takes a screenshot. It's it's fantastic. I think it's cool with all Metroidvania games, but it also has markers too. So if you run out of those things, cause they are limited, you can still use a screenshot like locked door or something like that. I love it. It's fantastic. Um, just got to a great moment in the game. I'm like, this looks like a fighting game at this point. It's amazing. It gets a little, uh, anime. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, it does. The traversal part. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Several, tries later i did it so it makes you feel so good about those traversal mm-hmm. hardcore mechanics it reminds me of like guacamelee in a certain sense uh, because the, the 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 combat played with it so definitely get that the game is not doing very well apparently which sucks like only three hundred thousand copies have sold i'm mm. like what everyone needs to play that game, game. i was gonna say it. this it's... doesn't need to be another titanfall 2 no don't. everyone should buy that game Exactly. I know Ubisoft is pretty bad. Get Ubisoft Plus. Play it for for on, on Xbox. Play it for 15 bucks. Play that. Prince of Persia, whatever else Ubisoft have. Just do that. Give them money. Uh, or, you know, don't wait until it's like two bucks <laughs> three months later. That's not good for that game. I want more of these. Um, but the game I really got into and I'm essentially done with is Tekken 8. Um, I am a Tekken maniac. I bought a PlayStation one or actually I didn't buy it. I got it as a college gift from my girlfriend at the time. Who's not my girlfriend now. Not my wife. Sorry. <laughs> uh, long story. And my roommates, they bought me a PlayStation one back in 1997, um, which wasn't cheap at the time, like, 
probably 253 bucks um, because I wanted to play Tekken 3. That, for some reason, because I played the arcade, loved it, and it was amazing to get a game of that quality that was in the arcade. I could also play at home. Uh, love that series. I loved their their approach to it, where you got all these fat, wacky cutscenes, all these wacky people, like Gone, who was a weird manga character, little dragon that farted on people, or dinosaur who farted on people. Love that. Uh, you had all these characters I loved, and it was just amazing. And I've followed Tekken ever since, played the arcade, continue to play them. I love them. I think that they are right up there with Mortal Kombat in regards to that wacky campaign with, you know, you can play with all the characters and it has great cutscenes and just the story is weird and it's worth, it gets me in. Um, uh, Soul Calibur, I was wishing it was going to be that. It's not. Uh, it does like hand-drawn cutscenes with like stills. Just is not great. It's a great game for fighting. Just doesn't do that thing. And Street Fighter VI, uh, great game. But once again, it doesn't have that great story campaign mode. So if you want a great story campaign mode in the in, the, in Mortal Kombat or Injustice or uh, that, I would say try Tekken. I loved it. I beat to pieces. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. I was showing my son as I was playing it. And he's like, Dad, this looks like a Dragon Ball game because it's just like eight, the eighth round trying to take out uh, Kazuya with Jin. And it's like, um, I just destroyed him and he's back again in his 18th form. It's so ridiculous and weird. And what I love about it is once you finish the campaign, they added Tekken ball mode, which is essentially Tekken volleyball, where you're playing against one player with a ball. You hit it and you hit it. And it basically causes the ball to charge up and have power. And it can. And if you don't block it, it knocks you out. And then that's what the game is. It's just the goofiest thing tekken has also had bowling it's had this weird like side scrolling adventure mode and i would say that was something interesting too in the main game it added almost like a like a 3d action adventure game where you're fighting the like mass enemies and it was so weird i didn't expect it and i was just so happy when i did it i'm like this is kind of cool um and the cool part is they're going to bring in, in more characters. Uh, uh, I believe Eddie Goro's next. He's kind of like that Capoeira style character. Love and pieces. But after that, you can play then essentially what is every character has a cutscene story. And that's going to be my next effort on the game, which is going to be phenomenal. And it's going to be awesome because I can't wait to see what Panda's like. Kuma the bear, when his cutscene comes through, I'm sure it's going to be ridiculous and dumb. And I will love it. So awesome. Tekken eight. Love it. Thank you. Gamefly huh. is so when I played, I'm a street fighter and mortal Kombat mm-hmm. guy. Mainly I prefer street fighter to the street fighter injustice, mortal Kombat. Yeah. somewhere yeah. way down is Tekken. And then yeah. a bunch of the blaze blues or whatever else. Right. That's just my fighting game, casual mm-hmm. approach. Sure. So I'm one of the things that I thought both mortal Kombat and street fighter six did well was allow new players into their franchise despite being numbered entries and yes. pretty extensive. How approachable is Tekken if I don't like Tekken or haven't played Tekken in a decades? That's great because they do difficulty mode. So pick mm-hmm. that first. And then they add like the Street Fighter ease of mode. You hit L1 mm-hmm. and it adds essentially is here's your throw. Here's this mode. 
it made it so much easier for anyone who's lapsed. I use a fight stick. My PlayStation 4 stick actually works on the PlayStation 5, which is fantastic. And it made it super easy when I was struggling. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do this mode. So it's essentially, it's very easy. It's always there. You could turn it off at any time, though. Click L1 again, it goes mm-hmm. away. And you're back to like more hardcore combo, figure it out. Hit L1 again if you want to just like, I want it super easy and 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 manageable i just want to have a fun time and learn the story so i think that's what street fighter did a great job with um mm-hmm. in regards to making it easier and it's kind of like we're taking out the it doesn't matter how well you can push buttons mm-hmm. um because some people are great at that i'm not so i like that that even though i know the moves of tekken very well i can bring back i'm good at it tekken i would say compared to other people mm-hmm. um especially if you're new to the franchise because of the button combo and i've played forever but if you're new to tekken this is the perfect entry to go into because they've really made it a, uh, a great entry point for new beginners and people are basically saying this might be the best tekken ever so we mm-hmm. are truly in a renaissance of fighters and mm-hmm. I am so happy for it. Cool. Tekken, not, I'm sorry, pardon me. Street Fighter had around 3 million. Mortal Kombat 1, about the same, though there was a difference in when they released. Uh, in my mind, those numbers should be higher, given that they're multi-platform, yeah. cross-play. I would have expected 6 million uh, here. Do you think Tekken does well? Because in my mind, it's the third on the list of popularity of the three but it sounds like they've pulled out all the stops for this one so surprisingly tekken is probably the best-selling fighting game it outsells street fighter it outsells mortal Kombat, which really? is like, I, didn't I, know I didn't know that but it is a gem in the fighting world um it's well regarded and loved and once again it goes back and it was it was it captured the 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 playstation crowd at the time mm-hmm. which was at the right time because that's when you got in the on board with it where street fighter was kind of languishing at the time you had street fighter 2 turbo alpha 3 blah 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 mm-hmm. and then it, i remember when street fighter 4 came out that felt like the renaissance of street fighter was four five stumbled a little bit because it was only on playstation and pc i think so um and mortal kombat has gone through the ups and downs with mortal kombat 9 i think was the one that really uh brought back the renaissance of that mm-hmm. series so yeah tekken's kind of been a, a steady boat with having great modes and being high in the uh the the, the fighting competition it's been multi-platform forever i mean it's been on xbox mm-hmm. uh i think there was even a nintendo th- two nintendo ds or 3ds version of tekken so they they like to be everywhere so and there's tekken characters in smash brothers surprisingly yeah. i never would have guessed that it was the most popular never yeah. there's uh there's there's the numbers are interesting because i wouldn't have either because i i i'm biased but mm-hmm. um yeah if you look at it the tech and sales i i mean i don't want to look it up right now to bore everybody but yeah i mean uh from what i understand yeah it was surprising because they were like saying uh yeah because it's a shame that three that fighting games aren't better but they i know they're niche because they're not for everybody because they are imposing and often without a if they don't have a great campaign people just i don't want to just get beat up but street fighter though that design a character i made my guy the most horrific looking person in the world which was fantastic but the creation mode in tekken when i've seen people have made they can make a tifa they can make a witcher i mean it's solid and on point and i think that's going to be a big thing and that's without any you know costumes or anything like street fighter 6 which has struggled because what they're charging 15 bucks per turtle mm-hmm. yeah yeah hey secret friends unite let me tell you about zencaster 
We use them for our show, and now they're supporting us. Zencaster is now the all-in-one solution making podcasting easy. It's the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. Provides high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. Being a creator has never been easier. And we chose Zencaster because of the ease of use, uh, high quality output, and we it makes it super easy for our guests to come on. Uh, we had multiple solutions we tried before, and Zencaster has just been the best fit for us. Why Zencaster? It's now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sounds and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. Have you ever worried what you sound like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recording. It removes those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. So if you're interested in making an easy, high-quality podcast just with the click of a browser button, go to Zencaster.com slash SFU and use our code SFU you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Now back to the show. So, um, well, that's it for gaming. So we do have a topic, but we want to really uh, respect everyone's time. So we're going to wrap up with the bonus round uh, fairly quick, but I think this is a fun topic that could really engage some thoughts because we're at a kind of a precipice for, I think a new, uh, a new feeling of where gaming is headed. Um, and that is potentially handhelds and hybrid devices, which, you know, between the switch and the steam deck, we're just seeing a lot of people really excited about that Avenue. So with that, uh, there's been stories and I'm just going to touch on these quickly that PlayStation is potentially looking into a Vita two or whatever they want to call it with the mm. chipset and things like that with it potentially could play ps4 and ps5 games uh the rog ally 2 which is the successor to the rog ally which is a windows handheld device which is available for 400 bucks which plays games great it's an eight inch handheld it's doing really well and it's highly um adaptable to most steam games and plays xbox game pass games natively which is pretty cool uh there's even talks about um i believe it's um i'm, I'm trying to think of the name it's a uh um oh it's called the uh aneo uh is looking to do a 300 dollar windows based gaming handheld as mm. well that would not be as capable but still, mm-hmm. $300 out the door to play Windows, Game Pass games, natively mm-hmm. Steam games in a, in a certain mode. Uh, there's talks there's going to be potentially another Steam OS handheld that's going to come out that's going to use the Steam OS, kind of like Steam Deck, but be a little bit higher on the hardware side. And then, uh, okay, I want to trademark this right now. I'm calling the Switch successor the Switch 2, but it's going to be Espanol to to you meaning you <laughs> okay i see what you've done uh, i yeah. see what you've done nintendo is kind of like how we is five too. in a different language or something we is we is yes in french okay yeah yeah it's also yogurt that my company makes 
<laughs> um, so, and then Switch 2 is apparently going to go back to LCD, but going to go with an 8-inch screen, which would be huge, because that's kind of the essential, that's, I think, as big as you can go with something handheld versus gets to be un, unusable, because it becomes, like, hard. So with that, um, I mean, the Switch is going to potentially be the most successful console ever as it gets to, you know, 130 million. Um you know, and they've kind of ruled the roost in this format. Uh, what do you gentlemen think? Is is there a value in handheld that kind of can do uh, good enough gaming with modern games? You want to go first, Mark? Oh, go 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 for it! Absolutely, yes. This is the future of gaming, I think. And there is a time where your mobile device might pair to a pair of glasses, and you can. Have your controller in your hand, and then have have glasses to go with it, and that'll like a target, that'll... like a target or a, a tiger R zone. You nailed it. That was it. You honestly, again, you got to look back to see forward. It's how it's weird how that happens. Um, but yes, this is absolutely the future. Switch has proved time and again that convenience can override quality. Without a doubt, convenience overrides quality. If you want the best hardware. You're probably looking at at Xbox, probably negligible difference here and there. Do you want the dual sense? Do you care about some loading on some ways and other, you know, whatever it doesn't that, that stuff doesn't speak to me, right? Like frames and frame rates. And, all right. If if we're at 61 and 60.5, I don't care. Um, so, you know, convenience over quality is definitely a thing. Uh, I think I, I want to speak to switch Two very briefly. Nintendo is too often forgiven for their mistreatment of customers. Uh, and I say that like looking at their hardware, their online services, and I know who my audience is when I'm on uh, Secret Friends Unite. I recognize and appreciate You're talking that. to Mark right now. He's, he's like, I can see him like, what are you talking about? I get it. Hurting I, my no, heart. I, hey, I'm, <laughs> I love Nintendo, but I'm also very critical. So say what you're going to say. Well, no, I, I, and I love Xbox, but here we are, <laughs> right? Uh, I think if they're going to do Switch 2, I, my hope is their online infrastructure. And, and by by definition, that infrastructure would mean their ability to purchase and keep games in a digital library remains intact. Because I put a lot of money into my Switch, and I've not touched it in two years. Um, I would hate to lose it, but that but the ability to go back to those games would keep me... Like if Switch 2 said, hey, you can play your old Switch games, done, Mm -hmm. here, log in, there it is, I'm going. Um, That's the benefit of a lot of these, these, the ROG Ally and and its competitors, that your digital library is there. Huge benefit. And I think Xbox is seeing the future there, and PlayStation seemingly does too. My fear with Vita 2, or whatever it might be, um, is... I have seen how PlayStation supports its accessories. They really did not. I thought PSVR one was pretty lame, pretty, pretty poor tech, but it was an experiment Um, on the back of Vita two, which was extremely advanced tech and, and for all intents and purposes flopped, but I will die on that, the hill that it was a fantastic system. I loved it. I had the white OLED. God, it was so good. Um, Vita 2 was amazing, but I felt like they PlayStation really didn't do right by its customers with PSVR 1. Flash forward, PSVR 2, great technology for the for the money investment. Where is the first party support? 
where are the, the uh, where's the ongoing support of, of that ecosystem so i'm hesitant for anything playstation does hardware wise they mm-hmm. kick out this playstation portal which every single person i know that purchased one swears by it it's Credit sold to- out you can't even find it which is just crazy they made too little or People just want one. <laughs> I, there's some oddity in how they're reporting numbers, but it doesn't matter. If everybody that's got one that is in my or in my circles is enjoying it, that's suggestive that I would enjoy something similar. So I acknowledge all that and I just worry about PlayStation's support of it. But this is the future. Cost effective alternatives to having a big screen are important. I'm not bothered by an L C D versus an OLED, uh, regardless of who makes it. That's, that's I love an OLED, right? Like that's beautiful. But eight an eight inch screen seems to be fantastic. Your optimal your optimal experience will always be on a TV and with fidelity and technology. But the ability to not do that to be able to be mobile, I loop all back to the end of the day. If your library is there, then convenience trumps quality. That's why Netflix succeeds because people will rather watch a great like they'd rather watch like an Oscar winning movie on their phone than on their great TV with surround sound off a Blu-ray or a 4K disc, which yeah. is just say it's just sad, but it's yeah. true. Convenience wins. I would say on this lens, because I think the reason one of the reasons Vita's failed was because of they had to make unique games for that handheld because they weren't going to make PS3 games that worked on it. Plus that stupid uh, memory Back card. Touch. So oh, I think yeah. the only reason yeah, I think the only reason this would work is basically they just say we're going to make like dumb like resolution and doesn't have the frame rate of our existing game. So it's like low lift. It's like doesn't work. It, it's like they don't have to do much effort except saying just make dumb it down with the resolution and if that's works i think that's the that's why nintendo has succeeded because they didn't have to worry about like oh make that 3ds game work on the switch they said all games will be on switch and this is your baseline and i think that's where the the ease of use that's why the steam deck's really successful because it's not the best experience but i think that's okay with people Mm -hmm. that are fine and already baked into the steam infrastructure with probably a good pc or an xbox you know series x or playstation 5 yeah, my brother just got a, a Steam Deck for for Christmas. Um, and OLED or the regular one? Regular one. Yeah. Um, oh, his, Mark, his girlfriend's brother. Uh, oh, okay. His 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 girlfriend's brother got the OLED and just gave my uh, brother his hand me down. Oh, well, he has no uh, Just then. it was like, yeah, okay, cool. Here's a free Steam Deck. Um, but it would, you know, and, and my brother has a very like a huge Steam library, crazy crazy amount of games, and it was really cool to see that just instantly on there. And the, the two of us were just like, you know, it's a new toy. It's Christmas. Right. So like, we're both just kind of searching through his library. Like, Oh, this is going to really play well. Oh, I can't wait to see how this goes. And um, like Luke said, if, if Nintendo can do that with a switch Two, I think that's really, really important. And I, I think that's important for Nintendo as a company, because that's one of the things that we started to see for the Wii U that I think was one of those downfall moments uh, of like, you know, this is a problem or a solution looking for a problem kind of console and all this, you know, other kind of stuff. But like you started to see, you know, Xbox, especially pushing this like backwards compatibility thing into their consoles and then really taking their their game library forward. And for Nintendo in a next generation to say, no, this is all new stuff. 
Like you, all, all those switch games, the 130 million switches sold, we're going to piss off 130 million people by saying, sorry, these games don't work anymore. Like, no, like, I mean, there's, there's some of us Nintendo people that will probably still buy the next thing, but there's also a lot of people who, especially in this economy, I have my switch and I'm sell okay their, with it. Well, and they, they need to, but they also need to sell their, their console to buy the next one. You know what I mean? Or like they, they, why would I have a switch too? If I, you know, and a switch, like just even for a, a scale, um, I like, I don't want to hold on to my switch. I want to sell that or give it to my son or something like that. When the switch two comes out, because I want to free up an HDMI port. You know, I don't want that uh, as another thing taking up a spot on my TV. Um, but I think as you know, and, and we will talk about that later, but as far as the future of, of handheld or the future of gaming being hopefully hybrid devices, I, I love to think that that's a solution. I really do. And, and I'm someone that, I love my Xbox Series X. I got it because it's the most powerful thing on the market and I don't do PC gaming. So this was like my high-end gaming thing, 4K TV, HDR, let's go high frame rate. That's where I want my performance. But I go back to my Switch so often, not just because I have a three-year-old who's obsessed with Mario, but because I can play it while he's watching Paw Patrol. I can take it and I can go off and play Rocket League and it doesn't look as good as it does on my Series X, but I don't care. I'm still playing Rocket League and I'm still doing something. I'm exploring Hyrule or I'm playing a Pokemon game or whatever it is. Um, And that kind of technology just increasing. Nintendo's really, really slow, but seeing something like a Steam Deck that can play good games and you know that cost to performance is hopefully going to keep coming down. and again, with VR and my experience with Game Pass and streaming, that technology is going to just keep getting better. So we see this with the new PlayStation handheld and hopefully more of this stuff. Um, I don't know if I would personally buy a streaming only device, but I think one of these things, again, a hybrid that's including streaming, native play, handheld on the go, on TV, you give me a whole mix of everything, that's my go-to every single time because it's convenient. Yeah, I think a big part of this, too, is the emulation audience yeah. is huge. I mean, Mark, you and I got the RG35XX. Mine, I lost mine in Europe, apparently. I have my other one, which is great for that, too. But a lot of these devices, like Steam Deck, is perfect <laughs> for that, too, because it's got so much hardware that can emulate pretty much everything under the sun. Um, I think that's why it's important to think of with Xbox. Windows has really struggled with the uh, handheld UI for gaming. Steam Deck, I remember when Steam was doing like the big screen mode, and I'm like, mm. why are they doing that? And it was just something to get ready for their handheld experience, which was essentially like as a handheld OS. Windows has struggled with that, and that's something they're working on. So I think, and Luke, I even asked your podcast this question mm-hmm. about, you know, maybe they should just partner with an Asus or whatever. Mm-hmm who's already doing this stuff, but this is like the, cause steam did this with like their steam boxes back in the day. Um, why don't they partner with a trusted manufacturer who's already in the weeds in this and say, but we're going to have the best experience because we're going to have our UI layered in here. Mm-hmm. Maybe it comes with three months of game pass or something like that. And it's like, wow, that's a win. 
And this is, and it becomes like, because I think Xbox has that, like, licensed by Xbox. They have the B&O headset. They do, mm-hmm. uh, they they are now, actually, from what I understand, they're actually not making, they're licensing out their windows, is licensing out their mouses and, and, and uh, cameras, too, to other people to market it. So um, it would make sense that they would just say, like, yeah, let's just be partners in this. We're not going to make a device like that. We're not going to do a surface gaming handheld because that's not where we want to be. But let's let someone who's got expertise in the space, let's adjust our UI to work with this because we already have the Xbox UI. We have a uh, Xbox app. Why don't we just focus that with to be able to overlay within Windows and just be that device? Because not everybody wants to do Excel on their gaming handheld. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then quite honestly, then we add a docking element because you can dock the Steam Deck. You could potentially dock that out to a, a TV, and maybe that dock allows more power, which would then allow you to do overclocking and get you to be at least a, maybe a 1080p, maybe mm. even a 1440p experience. Maybe that's good enough. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think if, if the, the hybrid is, good is really enough, exciting. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the sweet spot, right? Like good enough, affordable. Like it, it. Right now, we're still in that balance of like it looks great, but it costs an arm and a leg. It is cheap and affordable, but it runs like a potato. Like there's, there's a middle ground right now at like, or th- th- like coming up really quickly. And we see that with like, you know, phones are more and more powerful and whatever. Um, and as you know, those, those costs come down and it, the, the convenience is just there. Like we're, we're approaching a sweet spot of like convenience, good enough, affordable. Like it's, it's, we're, we're right there. Yeah, and I was that idiot who was watching the NFL playoffs using my GameSir device to play remote play Prince of Persia and had an excellent experience while that was happening. And I was on the couch, and my device was there, but I wanted on the I wanted football on the big screen. So I'm one of those people that have found a reason to do it, but I didn't want to pay two hundred dollars for a PlayStation Portal because um, I'm guessing it wouldn't work in my horrible Wi-Fi at my Vegas hotel room. So, so there you go. And you can't use it on a, uh, airplane, all those things that get in the way of a streaming device and having a local service. The only thing I would say, if, if Nintendo then says, well, NSO, we're going to restart again on switch two. And we're going to start off with, you know, I will just want to track down Doug Bowser and punch him in the face. Sorry. Don't say that, Doug. Sorry. Um, no hate, Understandable. but please don't do that. Yeah. yeah. So with with that, any final words um, with that? Because we know we're going to get some rumors about Xbox games going anywhere. Um, I know that's something we're going to probably get some resolution on. But in regards to this, I would just love a device where I can play. Well, I know I won't get to play Nintendo games everywhere eventually. But if I can play all my games from Xbox, PlayStation, my steam library on the go or in my chair for like 400 bucks. I'm a, I'm in along yeah. with my high end console um, experience as well. That's it. I, I think we're too early for a streaming only device. Yes. Per- personally, like I, I don't like that doesn't appeal to me. Um, so I think it's, it's, you know, Xbox games going anywhere, multi-platform, all that kind of stuff. Like, is, I don't know, is Xbox jumping the gun or just making things happen the way they're like, yeah, we see like that, whatever. We'll talk about that later on another episode, I'm sure. But like, I think 
I do think that's kind of like the the future of like being able to like have a Game Pass app, download some stuff natively, pop in like a little Switch cartridge or a download or whatever it is. Like I think all of that can fit on one device. I don't know if it'll be a Nintendo device necessarily. Like I don't think they could ever like Nintendo will ever agree to have a, an Xbox streaming app in part of their store or whatever. But like that kind of concept is super appealing to me. Um, I, I, like I said, I love that, that convenience, affordability, good enough graphics, local online, just everything all in one. Like that's the device that I want. Imagine if somebody hacks the next Nintendo console to do streaming and you do a remote play of Xbox yeah. PlayStation on that's it. Like, somebody shows want, it. Man. So bad. The, yeah. the Nintendo lawyers will kill them immediately, but that would be amazing. So Luke, but, your, your final thoughts. I know, I don't know you have any handhelds and a big switch fan because of the, some of the challenges, but mm-hmm. you know, would that be like, Hey, I've got a console plus this device. Would that be like the perfect world for you? I could see a world where that's a thing, but it's, I live one minute from my work and I'm not a big traveler. So it, my lifestyle doesn't ask for that. I, I do mobile game pretty regularly, like often while podcasting or sitting there. I like to tappy tap. That is something I tend to do. Um, and I enjoy my backbone. Would I spend three, four, five hundred $500 depending on, you know, like memory equivalents and such. I don't see that happening yet. Uh I would love a world like good example of a game that would get me in. If Diablo was a four was available to stream, that's a game I'd want to play on a handheld and just chill. Mm-hmm. I don't want Diablo Immortals microtransactions, but to play Diablo four, mm-hmm. absolutely grind a character, have a good time, low stakes, but I would not be playing call of duty, halo or Fortnite on it. Well, maybe Fortnite. That can be a bit more casual, but sure. I'm not competitively playing something there. I wouldn't want Suicide Squad as my experience, or at least not my opening hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would it would be a casual device for me, not a serious one. I'm an adult. I don't have kids. I'm not the target audience. I don't travel. You know. Yeah. Great. Great thoughts. Well, that is it for the show. I I think this is a great topic that's going to be evergreen, especially where we're going in the world of gaming. Uh, you know, stay tuned for potentially a new Switch Direct. In a Direct, hopefully, we're going to have a, uh, a potentially an Xbox event where they talk about their future of their uh, platform, where games are going to go. So watch for that, too. Of course, it'll probably come out tomorrow, and we just missed it on our show. But uh, with that, um, Luke, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, we will have you back on SFU again uh, when there's something you want to come and talk about because you're a big Star Trek fan, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and there's more Star Trek news coming out, but you also love all things nerd, which is great. So we'd love to have you back on SFU anytime. Uh, Star Trek, have you been on, uh, maybe I'm dumb. Have you been on Mark's uh, Star Wars podcast yet? Holocron Chronicle? Yeah. Have you been on that? Nope. I don't think so. Any nope. interest? Open invite. Let me know. Yes, interest, but I will tell you guys, I'm behind. Like, I just finished Ahsoka. Okay. Like, I'm not a TV guy, I guess, is is I'm just getting to Gen V uh, from the boy. Like, I'm yep. slower to consume movies and TV than I once was. Just come in and talk if about you're Star into Wars comics games, and stuff, smart. man. We're Charlie and I are talking now about like what to do when there's no like current TV show on. So, like, yeah, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. talk. Let's, uh, because that's basically a lot of we're gonna, like, lately. Pick something. 
Um, and right now, like we're, we're picking a comic for next week that I haven't read yet. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. get, you know, either a subscription, download it, find it, whatever, read these Mm -hmm. like couple of issues and then let's talk about it. So, um, if that's uh, appealing to you, let me know. We'll, we'll hook some up. I'll, I'll recommend spawn. I've been reading a lot of spawn lately. I'm on the compendium. So that's been interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. I haven't not read a spawn comic in a million years. So it's good to hear. It's interesting to go back Oh, wow. And see, it's it's neat because there's a lot of uh, self evangelizing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting yeah. to read, but I enjoy it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, we'll we'll regroup on where we connect. Sure. But we have love having you as part of the SFU uh, family. Thank uh, you. It's been great, and we always can count on you for great insight. And with that, Luke, tell people where they can find you because you're everywhere <laughs> and very awesome. Thank you. Uh, too kind. And I'm honored to be back on. I apologize for the multi-year. D- not, I, it blew my mind. Um, nonetheless, you, yeah. you can find me on socials at Insipid Ghost. I, I frequent uh, threads and Twitter. I prefer threads, but it's Twitter is still a necessity in the content creation world. Um, and then, of course, I host the Xbox Expansion Pass, which is uh, a weekly podcast discussing gaming news as it pertains to xbox and xcp also specializes in developer interviews from around the gaming industry both indie through triple a uh executive suite level you know veterans in the in the xbox gaming space we really try to run the gambit there because few and far between is a bar i want to set where i can talk to the best best every week that's not a reality and also the people that have the small stories to tell can be the most interesting and so I uh, would really love for anybody to check out the Xbox expansion pass, see if it's in your rotation uh, and investigate our community. Cause I think we have a pretty welcoming space. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're into sea of thieves, your co-host mm-hmm. uh, captain Logan is fantastic. And yeah. the, the discord community you have is fantastic. They've been very welcoming, Thanks. big into video games. Uh, and so if you want to find a good discord space, which is Patreon invite only. So check out Luke's Patreon as well. Join that group um, at any level. I believe you get in. So it's, you know, you don't have to be <laughs> the top level. Yeah. It, it's, it is Patreon invite only. And I find that weeds out a lot of yes. those that would bring negativity. Yes. And that's why it is that way. Um, Cause I really toy with it as a content creator. I'm sure you guys have battled this. It's really expensive. You know, like I've got Canva fees. We've all got those fees, oh, yeah. Can- Canva, Zencaster, et cetera, et cetera. How do you offset? And then it's like, well, also locking out a community may not be healthy either, but I have found that it is so heartwarming every morning. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. If you're enjoying this game, play this game rock on nobody goes out of their way to diss what other people are enjoying it's been really neat and um i've learned a lot i've made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot about it so it's kind of fun so and yet luke invited me in i'm paid but he apparently decided even though you paid i guess i'll let you in so thank you for that yeah. it's a great group yeah <laughs> mark yeah what are you up to my friend you can find me as far as gaming related stuff on uh, TikTok and Instagram as Canardian underscore gamer. Excellent. And you can follow me for all things Secret Friends Unite, secretfriendsunite.com. Go to our Discord, join us there. We're trying to get more excitement there. Uh, and uh, also, um, I'm on threads at Tioxtra at Secret Friends Unite with dots in the middle, apparently, and Twitter at Tioxtra and at Secret Friends 
you. We're always looking for new people to bring their geeky voice forward, do interviews, and talk about the things we love. And apparently we found somebody who wants to talk about Madam Web, the movie, with us. So stay tuned for that because we will have our review because she's our gal pal, our senior news correspondent. So with that, I want to say thank you, Luke. Thank you, Mark. And remember, folks, it's always better to game together. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.